Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I am your host, Katie Keller, Content Marketing Manager at Clearance Jobs, and today I'm joined by a familiar voice. We have Jill Hamilton, who is the senior editor of our news site on the line, and we also have Phoebe Wells, who is the newest addition to the content queendom here at CJ. She is the PR and Partnerships Manager, and Today is September 11th, so as we hit 22 years after those attacks, Jill and Phoebe are joining me for this episode to talk about their own experiences and reflect on the events. So 9-11 consisted of four different Islamist suicide terrorist attacks that were carried out by Al-Qaeda. So we had a group of terrorists that hijacked the first two planes that crashed into the Twin Towers in New York City. And then we had a third team that succeeded in crashing into the Pentagon in the D.C. area. And then the fourth crashed in rural Pennsylvania. And so the attacks killed nearly 3,000 people. And I appreciate you both joining me for this episode. I think that we all sort of imagine our own experiences on that day, no matter where you were in the country. I think it uh, affected us all. And so I'd love to talk about your own experiences and just how folks rallied to save lives that day. So Jill, I'll start with you. Where were you during the events? Yeah, well, thanks for doing this. I think it's just so important to take a moment to remember and to, to think back on all of this. But I was actually at college. It's so funny because... You know, you can just almost like picture everything it, like as the day just kind of slows down and comes to like a grinding halt, you know, everything was so bright and sunny and pretty outside and it was nice fall in Pennsylvania. I just, everything just started to get canceled and it's do- so different now where we have this constant update with, you know, you could check the news on your phone and I sound like a grandma where I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Like I had one of those like, you know, flip phone or Nokia or whatever. And you can't check Twitter. You don't check any of the stuff, the things that we do now and something's happening and there's real time information. You just like, you go to the, I had to go to the library to get the news update and all classes wound up being canceled the rest of the day. Once everything kind of started to figure out, like it was just, it was like surreal. You know, there was just a surreal feeling for the rest of the day. I don't know if, how, about, how about you guys felt, but that's how it felt. I had a little bit different of an experience. You know, you were an adult who, not that it was easier for you, but processing that information was just a little bit different. I was about 11. And at that age, you get a little bit excited to hear from the front office at school when they come on the intercom and they say, you know, Katie Keller your guardian is here to to pick you up. So you're leaving early for the day. My mom was a single parent. So she worked as a nurse at Mary Washington Hospital in Fredericksburg. So it was actually my neighbor who was the one who picked up me and my siblings from school. And she told us what had happened that morning. And we headed home. And so when my mom got home, we watched the rest of the day unfold on our box TV, just kind of in awe about you know, what was taking place. And just processing that 
at age 11 was a little bit different. But Phoebe, what about you? Where were you located during the attacks? Yeah, so I was in upstate New York, Corinth, which is like near the Adirondack Mountains. So about four hours away from New York City, you know, not in the heart of anything by any means. But I was seven. And when I've talked about my 9-11 experience in the past, I usually get the, oh, well, you were seven. What do you remember? I remember everything from that day. Like Jill said, you know, it just is kind of cemented into your brain. And as a seven-year-old, it was, it's a founding core memory for me, basically, because, you know, we didn't find out anything during the day. So looking back at like the teachers that were elementary school teachers, like they had to go about their day and none of us knew what was going on. Now, my mom was a high school teacher in the same district and middle school and high school, they got let out. They got sent home. So I went to an after school program a couple times a week. It happened to fall on the day that I went to an after school program. And I'll never forget like being in the bus and like approaching the street the YMCA was on. And there was just like lines of cars and parents outside the cars. Like, you know, here comes my mom. She's seven months pregnant. (laughs) And I just like remember looking at her and her face was just like so concerned. And I was like, why are you here? Like, it's, it's my after school day. Like I got friends and people to, you know, see. And uh, she said she was like a plane crashed into buildings in New York City and we have to go home. And in my head, I'm like, how does that affect me? But also I feel really bad for all these people. This must be really bad, but didn't like quite understand why we had to go home. And then we got home. We had a foreign exchange student from Spain staying with us. She was very upset. Her parents were calling because they had no concept of where we were, you know, versus where New York City was. And I basically just watched the news, (laughs) all of it. And we, I will say that their Spanish speaking channel showed a lot more graphic footage than the American channel. So like I have a very vivid memory of a guy jumping from the building and just like, whoa. And when I saw that, my parents were like, okay, you're going to go watch the Disney channel upstairs. But they didn't shy away from talking to me about it. (laughs) I knew probably way more than a seven-year-old quote unquote should have, but I was just, I needed to know. And then the next day at school, we had a little powwow about it. And my teacher asked like what we knew and I proceeded to roll out all these words like terrorism and <laughs> and plane crash. And I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like in my head, it was just like, this is what happened. And I just need to tell all my friends and I'll never forget the look on their faces. Like clearly their parents did not have the same philosophy about telling them about what was going on. So that's part of the reason why I remember it so vividly. A very pivotal moment in our history, just because proximity wise, fairly close to all of us. I mean, I was, you know, an hour south of DC. Uh, you were, you know, close to to New York City and or in the same state. And Jill, you were in Pennsylvania. And I know that, you know, Jill, you live in the DC metro area now, but how close were you? proximity-wise to the the crash in Pennsylvania? It was three to four hours away from there. 
I was probably closer to New York City in proximity to there. I mean, when we moved post-college, it would have been what, like two, just under two years after 9-11, we lived about like 30 minutes from the crash site in Pennsylvania and worked for a defense contractor out there where it was interesting to hear from their perspective because there was a bit of chaos when everything just kept unfolding and everything just kept getting worse. Like there's the first tower, then there's the second tower. Then there's, you know, like one tower is coming down. It's like the, the timeline of events as it just keeps progressing. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, what is, is this even real? Like, no, I don't think people in some ways where you tend to live in this bubble, like nothing can touch us and we can't be impacted like this. And so I think it really shook at that. But I, I remember the contractors, when I was going through my security training, they were like, we thought it was coming here for us, which, you know, I don't, I don't know that they would have been aiming for a defense contractor, but at that point, you know, in the chaos of the day, you know, you start to think anything is possible. The worst case scenario could be, could be true. Cause it is actually true for fellow Americans today. Like that's the reality. Yeah. I think it hits everybody differently, especially with proximity or if you knew somebody or even if you work in those different locations, like later on, you know, to get like a front row seat of like seeing how people were impacted. Even just visiting the Pentagon, any of you have been to the memorial there. I've not made it to ground zero, but I've gone to the memorial site at the Pentagon and just how terrifying it would have been to be inside there that day. I've been to ground zero. I, I don't believe I've been to the memorial at the Pentagon, but I the, the Pentagon attack i it i always think of this story that i heard shortly after you know in the following weeks this woman who worked at the pentagon she happened to go out for a cigarette during the 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 crash and so i i i remember her father telling us that story i'm not promoting smoking cigarettes but it's just you hear about those really personal stories of the the personal accounts of the day. And so Phoebe, your dad was actually there in the weeks that followed assisting with the cleanup at the World Trade Center. So tell me about how you all handled that as a family. Yeah, it's interesting. Being seven, really the the thing is like, oh, my dad isn't there. And then it's like, oh, but he's not here because he's literally in the midst of this worldwide, world-renowned disaster. And being, I was nervous. I was nervous a lot because no one really knew what was going on. It was so, it was so new. And even a week after, a couple weeks after, and even a couple months after when he went down, like there was just this like overarching fear of, oh my goodness, could this happen again? And is my dad going to be there when it happens? Thankfully, that is not the case. I'm so grateful for that. But as a seven-year-old, it, you know, it was a lot to deal with. But now, you know, 22 years later and having, you know, life experience and perspective and it is a, a moment in time that I, our family reflects on often because it kind of changed the whole trajectory of my family's life because my dad was a state trooper at the time, but then shortly after 9-11, you know, especially in New York State, but obviously around the country, the national security sphere just completely shifted. And so he became an investigator working in counterterrorism 
who was on the Joint Terrorism Task Force with the New York State Police and the FBI. And, you know, that was where he had, I, I think it was like a, a 12, 14 year career in that sector. And our life changed after that because he, you know, was in this role that he thrived in and he found meaningful work again. Not that the work he was doing before wasn't meaningful, but like he really found his stride in that sector and became a very knowledgeable person in counterterrorism. And so that just kind of, I mean, it, it, it did just change, you know, our family, but then also like in the weeks and months after the attacks, like I really (laughs) embarrassed to admit, I just kind of put two and two together, like not that long ago that like, wow, my mom was full on pregnant during all of this. And like, that must have been a lot to have, you know, be seven months pregnant. And then he had to leave like a couple weeks after my brother was born to go down and provide like security for the Macy's Day Parade. And so she had like a seven and a half year old and a newborn. (laughs) Like it was truly monumental moment in our family. And, you know, my dad, did spend a lot of time with, you know, hazardous materials. And as we know now, like there's lasting impacts from that. He's watched multiple colleagues and friends pass from disease connected to the attacks. I mean, one in particular, he drove down with, stayed in the same hotel. I don't know if it's hotel room, but definitely hotel with, like was on the job side by side. And that guy died from a brain cancer that is tied to the cleanup of the World Trade Center. So, you know, my dad has lasting effects from that. He is part of the World Health Organization because he has issues that are directly tied to that. So it's 9-11 is a day that I remember forever and will remember forever because it it truly was like a shifting point for my childhood and my family. Wow. I mean, that that's all a lot. And a day that you'll remember forever because, you know, on the anniversary, we're continued to be reminded of it, of course, just because of the date. But also, yeah, those lasting effects from the cleanup, those lasting health effects. I mean, I just, I can't imagine. And so as we you know, are faced with the 22-year anniversary. What do you both reflect on? Is it motivation for you to continue in this sector that we work in? Jill, I'll start with you. Yeah, no, I think um, one of the things I was thinking of when you were talking, Phoebe, was just the outpouring that happened afterwards, just the response that everybody had, where they would just sacrificed a lot. You know, our military sacrificed a lot in the coming years after that, all these families, and all the first responders, people just jumped in to help. And there was a there was definitely a spirit you could sense where it's like everybody wants to work together and come together. Even here it and like sometimes the New Yorkers will reflect on what life was like where, you know, they typically would have gone about their day, not make eye contact. That's how we live in the city. And, you know, just kind of every man for himself. And maybe there was a little bit more camaraderie or even like acknowledgement of other people, like the human factor was recognized. And there really was this, (laughs) everybody wants to work together to make our nation secure and to make sure that we are doing the right thing, especially as there's a, (laughs) it seems to be this last decade just keeps coming up to more and more of a fever pitch, uh, hitting this fever pitch of like, 
tribalism or like the political vibe and like the back and forth and the making swiping at each other online and just like it just gets so tiresome sometimes it's good to think of like who we were in that response like as a country and you know while I can't control how anybody else responds to things I can control how I respond and to keep maintaining that sense of purpose helping others out or even having this eye on the importance of national security you know what we do and what people people who work in national security, their work is very important. You know, it's, it's needed to not lose that motivation. I think something like 9-11 can keep that motivation for that. It doesn't mean we say yes to every project. Unfortunately, I think that happened a lot with, you know, the explosion of like all this funding going to defense spending. But there was a lot of lessons learned that came out of it. Like just even the term, like, I mean, I know interoperability was a term before, but when they found that different systems weren't talking to each other on that day, like that became like one of the major things for contracts going forward. Like, can the system that you want to create work with every other system so if we're in a matter, like a, it's, a, it's a crisis, you know, I mean, we're still not there yet. You know, you get all the d- different branches, they build their own systems, things like that. But there is a sense of like different things like that where it did pull on some of those issues. And I'm sure we're going to still continue to find more to strengthen our defenses here. But I don't know, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is just like the overall response, but like the heart behind that. Well, and I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. but when you talk about those systems not talking to each other, I mean, the National Counterterrorism Center was, you know, pretty revamped after the attacks. And like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. but those lessons learned are important, you know, as, as we move forward. And so Phoebe, what, what are, what are you thinking about or reflecting on today as we pass this anniversary? Yeah. I mean, similar to what Jill said of that, how do you react to a crisis? The love and outpouring that I witnessed at that young age, I mean, it really gave me this sense of like, okay, the adults like have no idea what's going on right now, but there's this unity that is like unspoken and there's this like peace of like, which is just so wild because it was the least peaceful time. And, you know, that day was the opposite of peaceful, but nine twelve, there was a, a resonance that was just love. <laughs> and yes, there was also anger clearly, obviously, but at the core, everyone just wanted to be nice to each other and help each other. And it was almost like this pause, this pause to just accept the humanness of all of us and understanding that we went through this national trauma and that like we needed a beat to just like be with each other, be with our loved ones, hug them a little tighter, be grateful for what we do have and not, you know, what we don't. And unfortunately, I, you know, feel like like Jill, like you said, again, like the last few years, like this tribalism mentality, like the pendulum has swung to a part that's can get really ugly. And so I hope that the pendulum will shift back to more understanding of each other. And, you know, I'm very new to the national security sector, but I'm super grateful to have stumbled <laughs> into this industry because I think there's the work everyone 
in the NATSEC, you know, community does to keep our country safe, like that at its core is about protecting people and not like dividing people. So I want to remember that feeling, if that made any sense and wasn't too kumbaya. (laughs) I think that's important to point out because I was thinking like, Katie, you wrote this one article, like where I think like different people had different experiences post 9-11. You know, I, I'm very much aware that like my response and like the feelings that I took from it come because, you know, perhaps I, I haven't grown up in like from outside the country. I wasn't an immigrant or I wasn't like, I didn't come here if, under different circumstances. So my feelings were very different than I think what some other people potentially experienced. And so I think, I think those are all still part of the narrative. Like that's all still part of the learning process. Like just because something really bad happens, you know, even when you look at like our response in COVID-19 hit, like it, we responded well on some things. We responded poorly on some things, (laughs) you know, there was a lot of animosity some places here. And I think there's a little bit of that too. You can even learn from 9-11 where there was a lot of unity against a common enemy and anger there that didn't always play out very well. All those things are good learning moments where we can't change the past, but we can think about how we're responding to things going forward, if that makes sense. It does. And I mean, I feel like that also, that is the difference between experiencing 9-11 as a child than someone who totally understands what's going on in the world. Like I didn't learn about the animosity to Middle Eastern Americans until high school. And I was like, what? That happened? Like, what? Like, that blew my mind. And I think it is important to remember that. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because even in this conversation, I did momentarily forget because I'm just talking about my own experience. But you're so right. Like, we have to remember those instances as well. Yeah. And I mean, context is everything for. Again, how people perceive information. And Jill, you teased to an article that I wrote. I've written a couple on our news site about how millennials are kind of motivated to join this space due to growing up in the shadow of those events. And the story I really enjoyed writing was 9-11 in the eyes of a war-torn migrant's daughter. And so a woman whose parents were war-torn migrants from Lebanon during the outbreak of the late 70s civil war. Uh, 9-11 felt so very personal to her because it was almost as if the war had followed her family to the United States, where they had spent decades trying to build a home in safety. And so she was sitting in an AP class in New Jersey during those events, but also the context of her parents story was really important to her story, obviously. So Jill, what other pieces would you like to highlight here on our news site that listeners should read today? I mean, I did write one at the 20 year so reflection of, you know, where I was kind of similar to here and just some things that we shouldn't forget. Because I do think it's, I think it's super important to continue the conversation of like, always remembering where you were, and then teaching the next generation about what that day was like. I admit it's probably similar to like, you know, my parents will try to explain what it was like during the Vietnam War and how that felt for them. And I I probably, I, I did tune them out a little bit. So I'm, I know we're at risk of a bit of that when we share with the next generation, but I, I still think it's pretty important to share the different lessons learned, but even recreating, like I shared in that one article that like we had a fire drill 
in one of the buildings I was at when I was at another defense contract I worked at down here in DC. They were pretty common. And, but everything came to a standstill. I remember standing in the stairwell, it's getting like hot and stuffy. And I think I was like seven months pregnant at that time. And no one was moving. You couldn't get out. And I just, I felt like so panicky about being stuck there. And like, what if this really was an emergency? And then I like just started thinking of all the victims of 9-11 just stuck in a fire escape and can't get out of the building. And I was just like, granted, this was a very much, much smaller building. Like in DC, you know, you got height restrict restrictions where you can't even build. Uh, I forget what this specific one is. Maybe it's the George Washington Memorial. You can't build this higher than, I forget what it is. But so they're not tall. It's definitely not like World Trade Center. It definitely felt like, claustrophobic and that fear. I think sometimes it's helpful to think through what it must have felt like for people who were there and what that experience might have been like for them, for the first responders to kind of keep those different perspectives. But yeah, we do have a number of different ones. So the one that I wrote was 9-11, we'll never forget. And then you wrote the 9-11, the eyes of a war-torn migrant's daughter. Then there's ones a decade, half later. And I think you wrote growing up in the shadow of September 11th, that was your your t- pathway to a national security career, how you highlight how millennials really broke into national security. I think Gen X, the forgotten generation too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, you're like, I'll give it to you, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of them were also like pulled into national security too, if they weren't already headed in that direction. I think definitely the military got a lot, like recruiting went went way up as well. There's just a lot like Homeland Security begins, Department of Homeland Security, all these different things that grew out of that event and like are just fixtures in the landscape now. You mentioned going through that drill and thinking about, you know, how the people felt, you know, in the Twin Towers. I mean, those were at the time two of the world's five tallest buildings and I don't know how often they went through those types of drills before. And so I just, I can't imagine those feelings or lack thereof because maybe they, I don't know. It just, it, it is a crazy thought. And so, like you said, Jill, kind of teaching the next generation about those feelings is important as, you know, our parents maybe did with events that they experienced And so, Phoebe, have you heard any notable podcasts or even documentaries that you may have found interesting on on the events that you would encourage listeners to check out? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always a slew of documentaries and footage and first-person accounts on YouTube, but there's also a really great podcast called Our City, Our Story. It just shares those like we're talking about today, it's what it was like to go through that day and just be in the thick of it all. There's also a CBS News podcast and a WNYC Studios podcast as well. It's I would check them out. They're just goes in a little more in depth than what we did. Well, any closing thoughts? Again, I thank you both for joining me today for this episode to talk about your own experiences and, you know, tell us what you're reflecting on today. But any closing thoughts for our listeners? I just think it's so helpful to have this conversation and to think it through. I think it's important to do. So I would just encourage anybody to just take some time, especially if I don't have like 
traumatic memories from that day. It was just surreal. And it definitely marked me, you know, as it did with, with many people in the nation. But if, you know, it might be harder for some people who are actually super up close, close and personal. But I do think in work, working here in this industry that it's really important to take a minute because it is kind of part of the why of what we do. I mean, there's, it's more, working in national security is more than just a terrorist event. There's a lot of other things that, you know, work that's done, but it, it has been a big driver for the last two plus decades. And I think it's an important thing to stop and reflect and remember what was lost and keep in mind the th- all the different lessons that we've learned to make sure that they're being applied. Yeah, I, I agree with Jill. I think, you know, for going on 22 years, we've, I guess collectively, but I know personally, you know, just ha- always take a moment on that day to just reflect and pause and, you know, grieve for the people that were lost, feel for the families and just kind of rededicate yourself to living a more life, a life filled with gratitude and also recognizing the important work that, you know, the national security industry does. And now that I'm in it, it's the new 9-11 for me, because now that I'm in this industry, I'm like, okay, like, this is why I wanted to work in this industry, like all those years back, like that, like Mark, like Jill, you said, it, it left a mark on you. And it, it did on me as well. And now that I'm here, I just want to help when in whatever way I can, you know, moving forward and just never forget. I know that we say that a lot about 9-11, but I think it's important. And I'm grateful that, you know, we all had different experiences and we touched on all the areas where the attacks happened. I mean, I think as a New Yorker, not that I forget about the DC and Pennsylvania attacks, it's just the New York attacks are so, everyone was a New Yorker that day. I remember hearing that. And but there's so much more that happened that day and it's important to to share all those stories. This podcast is brought to you by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, known as CISA, the nation's number one cyber defense agency. Today, the agency has grown and evolved, assuring the nation's critical and physical infrastructure is secure, resilient, and reliable. Learn more about CISA career opportunities at www.cisa.gov slash careers.